0: Damn, that was close enough to pierce my ear. I'm not sure how things got so bad so quickly. I hadn't planned to have a firefight with five vampire wannabes. My original thought was to just get a lay of the land, see how the boat was laid out. Then that stupid fangirl had to come up behind me. Yes, score one for the good guy. Good thing I was using my special silver-loaded slugs an original design for my nerdy brother Quinn, now custom-made by some friends in the Order. These slugs had enough stopping power for werewolves, vampires, and humans. So far on this trip, I had killed a halfling and a human. I had a large-caliber surprise for the night-crawling bloodsucker lowlife who had infected my wife all those years ago. This particular dirt sleeper lived on a houseboat named, are you ready for this, the Immortal. The windows were tinted with Necroview, a thin film that blocks the most dangerous of the sun's wavelengths. Good lord, when did vamps start using automatic weapons? Seriously? Anyway, it was the best of plans. But what's the old saying? Men plan, God laughs? Yeah, that would be true today. I bet the old man was up there laughing his ass off at what this semi-hairless monkey had gotten himself into. If he were the type who kept watching his creations after he created them. I found the boat right where she said it would be. Oh yeah, I'll have a few words for her when I see her again. Like, thanks for the heads up, toots. When the hell did a vamp's familiars start using AK-47s? When I got to the docks, it was about five o'clock. Plenty of time before dusk to recon the boat. Get my best positions and take out the lying Euro-trash dead-headed bag of rotting flesh and blood who killed my Maddie. I quietly climbed on board. I heard some footsteps and saw five familiars coming out to the deck. They were girls. The oldest might have been eighteen. I felt my stomach start to do a slow roll. Ever since Anne Rice and in that stupid saga with glittery bloodsuckers, young girls have thought about vampires as exotic rock stars. The reality was that most vampires were twisted little trolls who want to feed, have sex, sleep. And they were, for the record, never shiny or glittery. The vamps, of course, loved adoration almost as much as a fresh kill. Willing groupies? No need to hunt for food? Bring it on. My brother had a theory that vampirism is an infection that, in time, can be cured. I have a friend, well... Had a friend, who would agree. My cure is simple. A little thing I like to call decapitation. No fuss, no therapy. These girls probably thought they had met the actual incarnation of that dude from the Twilight movies. They'd follow him into the bowels of hell, if he asked. The Dirtnapper's intentions were less noble. He would feed off them for a while, slowly sucking their life force away. In a short time, he would bore off them. Then, the lucky ones would die quickly. A vampire kill isn't like what you see on TV, two little bite marks on the neck. When a vamp kills, the bite is just to fire up the human pleasure centers to distract the victim. Then, the vamp uses one of his or her freakishly long and incredibly strong fingernails to cut the victim's throat. He doesn't suck out the blood so much as he lets it flow into his mouth while the victim's heart continues beating. He shotguns their blood the way you or I would shotgun a can of beer. Of course, if he's going to turn them, the wounds aren't quite so horrific. But then the turn vamps are damned to a life with a blood addiction. The longer they're in bed, the nastier they get. The girls were dressed in bikinis, nubile and mostly pure, just the way he liked them. They pulled the deck chairs together and started laying in sun. Enjoy it, girls, I thought. This time next year, you'll be hiding under bridges, trying to understand this new craving for blood. By the time you realize what's happened, your sire will be long gone. The smell of suntan lotion may have saved my life. I turned just as a teenage girl was about to pull the trigger on a spear gun. She was as surprised at my turning around as I was to see her standing there. I pulled the spear gun out of her hand and rammed the butt end of it into her gut. She looked at me her eyes turning a blood red and her teeth dropping into nubby fangs. A halfling. She fell when I hit her in the head with the back of the spear gun, but was up before I could turn the gun on her. The other girls were walking over to investigate the commotion. I had to act quickly or the situation would dissolve into what it would eventually become. I was in a pointless tug-of-war with the halfling over possession of the spear gun. I released the gun and the halfling tumbled backwards. When she regained her balance, she pointed the spear gun at her. Sorry, honey, never bring a spear to a gunfight. That was when the other four started shooting. How did yours truly come to find himself in a gun battle with four teenage bikini-clad halflings? One word. Magic and magical people, the unnatural order is all around us. There are white witches, black witches, demons, vamps, werewolves, shapeshifters, ghosts. It's a protoplasmic party of creature features out there. But unless you know where to look, you won't find them. I know where to look. My name is Harry Strange. Lilla, seriously, a Waffle House in Florida? I had to fly to God's waiting room to meet with a demon who had a taste for waffles? What's wrong with this picture?
1: Mr. Strange, have you ever had a Waffle House waffle?
0: Can't say that I have.
1: Then you must try one. Do not believe the hype about Florida being his waiting room. My girls collect many products from Florida.
0: Your girls? Products? Your soul-stealing succubi, you
1: mean? Don't be so harsh, Mr. Strange. My girls do not take anything that isn't freely offered. And some pious men offer so much for so little.
0: When the waitress came over, I briefly thought about another waitress in a restaurant outside of Omaha. I shook my head and ordered a waffle and coffee, black. Lilith, on the other hand?
1: Mm, Three waffles, two sides of bacon, two sausage patties, and an order of hash browns. Extra butter. Oh, and a Coke.
0: High cholesterol means nothing to you, does it?
1: No. Or cellulite. That's just one of the benefits of being a demon. Well, that along with small hips and an ass and tits to die for.
0: How about eternal damnation? Does that work for you?
1: <laughs> it's better to look good than to be good.
0: No argument there, Lil. You do look good.
1: Mr. Strange, are you hitting on me?
0: No, Lilith. Hitting on you would be bad for both of us.
1: Why? Don't you find me attractive?
0: Find her attractive? The pheromones Lil was releasing had me as aroused as a teenage boy at a cheerleader bikini contest. A blind man could feel her sexuality. From where I sat, I could see the outline of her breasts rising and falling with each breath. I imagine they were firm to the touch with sensitive pebble-sized nipples. Lil would be a responsive lover who could take a man to places he would never want to leave. Her ice-cold eyes fixed on me like a praying mantis targeting her next husband. Hey, sugar. Some truck driver type had worked up the courage to come to our table. I looked around the restaurant and saw everyone was staring at Lil, men and women. His buddies in the back booth were watching closely. He may have thought he was being brave, totally unaware of what the bravado would cost.
1: Did someone call for a toothless, inbred redneck? Because we certainly did not. I suggest you leave. Now. Well, no
0: need to be like that, little lady. I just wanted to... <gasps> a smile formed on Lewis's face as the truck driver started to choke. The same smile I imagine that a mantis would have after devouring its latest mate. <laughs> Lil, stop it.
1: Stop what?
0: For Christ's sake, he's turning blue.
1: For whose sake?
0: The truck driver had fallen to one knee,
1: both of his hands clutching his throat.
0: You're killing him, Lil. Please, stop.
1: Fine. But only because I like you. And you said please.
0: The driver gone off his knees and looked at me and then Lil. He staggered past his friends and out into the parking lot into his truck. Every time I start thinking you might not be too bad for a demon.
1: Spare me your sanctimonious tood, Mr. Strange. You mean to tell me you've never wanted to shoot the slow driver in the fast lane? Or the old lady in the ten-item express lane who has thirty items and wants to pay with exact change? How about the parents who bring their whiny whelplings to the movies? Wouldn't it be liberating to be able to punish stupidity?
0: Lil, you can't tempt me with sex. What makes you think you can tempt me with power? You have nothing I want.
1: Hmm. That sounds like a challenge, Mr. Strange.
0: Lil, Lilith, why am I here? You tell me. You said you had something for me.
1: I've made two offers already. The well is getting a little dry.
0: So I flew to Boca Raton just to join you for waffles? Have a nice
1: night. Mr. Strange... Harry, please, sit down. I do have something for you. You can't blame a gal for trying to get a little something extra for her efforts.
0: Maybe if you were a gal, but you're a demon from hell.
1: Why, Harry, you say the sweetest things.
0: Please, Lil, point, sometime tonight.
1: I almost think you don't like me very much, Harry. Trust me. I'm someone you want on your team, not the other guys.
0: Tell me something I don't know, Lil. I've seen what you do to the other team.
1: You're still upset about that, aren't you? Harry, that was years ago. You've got to let it go. It's not good to carry around that anger.
0: A demon telling me to let go of my anger? Will you be quoting scriptures to me next?
1: You don't know me as well as you think you do, Harry. But my ex had it coming.
0: You turned a man inside out after I led you to him. That wasn't part of our deal. I could have been charged as an accomplice to...
1: An accomplice to what? What court could try me? There were no charges. The fire took care of everything. Let's not forget, he stole from me. No one steals from me and walks away.
0: This is getting us nowhere. I'm out of here. Lilith, don't call on me again. I had to get out of there. I was seriously considering drawing my dagger of Yago and sticking it in one of Lil's pretty eyes. He probably wasn't strong enough to kill her, but it would have wiped that stupid grin from her face. I was almost to the door when Lil said the only thing that would have made me turn around.
1: Veil Piervim. I know where you can find him.
0: For a minute, there wasn't any sound at all. Veil Piervin. My wife, Maddie and I had been married about a year when she disappeared. Eventually, I found her. A low-life Euro trash vamp named Vale had turned her. Despite my efforts to save Maddie, I had to kill her. I searched for Vale for a long time. About ten years ago, I caught up with him. It hadn't ended well for either of us, but he got away. I sat down at the table. Where?
1: He's here, in Florida. Living on a houseboat off the coast of St. Augustine.
0: Doesn't that strike you as a bit odd?
1: It is what it is, Mr. Strange. The name of his boat is The Immortal.
0: The Immortal? I guess a billboard was too expensive.
1: No one of significance has found him yet.
0: You have, and you bring him to me. Why?
1: To make up for last time. I don't want you to think I used you. That was never my plan.
0: Lilith, you're going to embarrass both of us with this fairy tale. Seriously, why me?
1: (laughs) Very good, Mr. Strange. Vale is overstepping his bounds and acting far above his station. He's even had the audacity to steal several of my girls.
0: A vamp turned a demon? Isn't that like cousins marrying cousins?
1: Not my succubi. The potentials. It takes time to groom a human female to be a Soccubi. There are blood trials, conversions. Vale stalks these women and then, before the ritual is finished, he turns them. They are useless to me at that point. He is mocking me and my authority. I am Lilith, first woman of the Bible, queen of the Grigori, mother of the Nephilim and goddess of the Soccubi. He... He's just an enchanted hairless ape with a blood fetish.
0: Why not just dispatch some of your imps?
1: Vale would smell a vamp or an enchanted, any of the, what do you call us, unnatural order. No. He would see one of us coming before we could get close enough to do any damage.
0: You don't think he's watching for me? I almost killed him last time we met. (laughs)
1: As I understand the event, you were left for dead, and Vale, well, he had a bad case of sunburn.
0: He killed my wife.
1: No, Harry. You killed your wife. He just sired her.
0: The point is, he knows I have a reason to hunt him.
1: (laughs) You humans and your conceit. You think because one of the Enchanted hurt you, we remember you? Do you remember every ant you ever stepped on? Of course not. They are insignificant to you. That's how we feel about humans. He's been through hundreds, possibly thousands of wives, sisters, and daughters since you're Maddie.
0: My knuckles had gone white around my coffee cup. What do you want me to
1: do? I want you to capture and deliver him to me. Do not, under any circumstances, kill him. I will take him to hell, where I can deal with him in my own. special way.
0: I had seen Lil's special ways, and heard of a hundred others. Turning people inside out was just one of her tricks. In the 1500s, Lilith had a garrison of soldiers saw the limbs off each other after they had desecrated one of her temples. Another time, a husband refused to allow Lilith to take his wife. His efforts got him the dubious reward of Lilith burning out his eyes with a fireplace poker after she cut his wife's face from the corner of her lips to her ears. Burning flesh, snakes under the skin, torture by compression, quartering... These were all part of Lilith's repertoire of dealing with those who offended her. It wasn't just a slippery slope to get involved with Lilith. It was a slide down a banister made out of a razor blade.
1: If you're done with your internal dialogue... I have a gift for you. Three of the stones of Solomon.
0: The last time I saw those stones, Lilith was pulling them out of the intestines of the sap who had stolen them from her. That those intestines were on the floor instead of tucked up inside the guy was irrelevant to her.
1: These stones will alert you to any breed of demons, vamps included in the general vicinity. They will also cloak you from anything non-human. You will be virtually invisible to all of my kind. Once you've delivered Vale to my realm, I will collect the stones.
0: I looked at the stones. They were blood red and about the size of an eyeball. I wasn't sure if it was an illusion, but they seemed to be sucking in the light around them. The objects on the table seemed to become transparent. Almost, but not quite. Not quite. It was as if the stones were trying to cloak whatever object was next to them. With these stones, I could walk into Vale's lair unseen and kill him. I could walk into hell and nothing would be aware of my presence. I started to reach for the stones. Taking these stones from Lilith made all the sense in the world. But what type of residue would I be left with? Maybe her ex, the sap whose intestines Lil ripped out in order to retrieve her stones, didn't steal them as much as he couldn't leave them behind. I reached for the stones again. Lil watched, her eyes lighting up as my hands closed around the stones. I would have six of the seven stones. My task, whatever that was exactly, would be almost complete. She's handing them to me of her own free will, and yet... I stopped, her eyebrows raised up.
1: Is there a problem, Mr. Strange?
0: I'm torn, Lilith. On one hand, I want Vale dead. By my hand, preferably, but yours will do just as well. On the other hand, I find it odd to be on the side of a demon who kidnaps human women to become succubi in order to tempt men and condemn their souls to hell. Do you see my dilemma?
1: (laughs) Mr. Strange, I haven't had the need to kidnap a human female in centuries. Most of my potential succubi seek me out. Not directly, of course... Put through their dreams and, ironically enough, their prayers. They are seeking revenge on all men for some misdeed that one of you has done to them. I liberate women from their earthly needs and give them the ability to exact that revenge.
0: In exchange for their souls and eternal damnation?
1: I'm surprised that you have such an Old Testament worldview. Not everyone has friends upstairs, Mr. Strange. These women have turned the other cheek one time too many. Many of them have had it turned for them. The men my girls take are not victims. They are adulterers, abusers, and pigs in general. They are just doing what they would do anyway. I just provide those men with the opportunity. Much like I'm doing for you.
0: Don't try to justify what you do, Lil. There's a difference between a cheating spouse and being sent to hell for eternity.
1: It's the free market at its best, Mr. Strange. My girls offer themselves for whatever the market will bear. The going rate for a little tumble seems to be a soul. Two adults acting in their own self-interest.
0: And Ayn Rand is probably spinning in her grave right now.
1: Ayn Rand. You should have seen the look on her face. (laughs) It still makes me smile when I think about it. You mean the mystics were correct?
0: (laughs) I'll do it, Lil.
1: Excellent. I have a driver outside waiting to take you to the airport.
0: You want me to believe you knew all along I was going to take this job?
1: I had faith.
0: I was guessing from the way the girls were shooting that they were still mostly human. I didn't want to kill any of them. I was aiming low, trying to catch a kneecap or ankle or hand. If I could get inside the boat and down to Vale, there was a good chance that none of them would be turned. they would all go home to their parents. A bullet ripped through my jacket and my non-shooting arm immediately went numb. One of the girls had flanked me. Damn it, how did I let that happen? Without thinking, I fired two shots, both of which hit her shattering her head like a watermelon getting bashed with a baseball bat. Keeping the girls alive was no longer on my to-do list. I saw the shadow of one girl as she moved along the wheelhouse on the opposite side. The shadow was long, which meant the sun was lower in the sky than I would have liked. She leaned slightly around the corner, which was all I needed. I fired once, hitting her just above the eye. She couldn't scream because everything above her neck was gone in a haze of red and grey goo. The boat lurched forward. They were taking me out to sea. I would either succeed in killing Vale or someone would be pulling me out of the water later tonight. I turned the corner and there was no one there. The boathouse door was a little further on this wall and next to that was the ladder leading to the wheelhouse. I tried to look in the window but the necroview view prevented me from seeing anything inside. I ducked down under the window. Just because I couldn't see in didn't mean they couldn't see out. I dropped the clip out of the gun and reloaded. The boat lurched forward again, picking up speed. The dock was too far to jump to now. I put one hand on the ladder and started to pull myself up. I would take out the driver and then look for Vale. The other girl had probably gone into the hold below the deck to protect him. His own personal bodyguard who was willing to give her life for his unlike. I was about halfway up the ladder when the boathouse door opened. A girl no older than fifteen, wearing a yellow two-piece bathing suit pointed a shotgun at me. I shifted my weight and drew down on her. She fired first. Her first shot was low. The blast knocked me off the ladder. I struggled to get to my feet, leaning against the rail. I watched my gun tumble over the side of the deck and hit the water, about ten feet down. I pulled myself up slowly, leaning against the side of the boat for support. The girl with the shotgun was almost on top of me. Her blue eyes were dilated. I reached out to grab the barrel when I saw the flash.
2: Tonight's episode, Harry Strange 111, The Immortal, was written and directed by Tony Serechia and produced by Breanne Ahern. All material is copyright by Tony Serechia and used with his permission. Featured in tonight's cast were Kellen Stennett, Parissa Johnston, and Ray Saltrelli. Harry's theme music was written and performed by Lance Hogan and is copyright by Lance Hogan and used with his permission. Contact Lance at his email, hauganl at yahoo.com. Incidental music was written and performed by Kevin MacLeod and is copyrighted by Kevin MacLeod and used with his permission. Visit Incompetech.com for more of Kevin's music. To keep up with the latest news and information on everyone's favorite private investigator, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Harry Strange Radio. Send your questions, comments, and suggestions to producer at harrystrange.com. For the Harry Strange Radio Drama, I'm Joanne Pruden. Good night.